Welcome to the Sacred Body Podcast, where we explore the embodiment of belonging and the journey to get there. The topics we'll focus on primarily are food, birth, sex, and boundaries. And I'm your host, Stacey Ramsauer. Welcome to the Sacred Body Podcast. I'm here with Sarah Pacelli, who is a nutritional chef and counselor, and someone that, um, for not knowing her personally all that well, I sure am in love with her, <laughs> in total awe. Sarah and I met in New York, in Brooklyn specifically, when I was teaching yoga there and working at Kula Yoga Project, and she is a devoted yogini. And I'm really thrilled to have this opportunity to speak with you, Sarah, and to just get deep into some topics that I know we're both super passionate about. Nourishment at the basic level, nourishment through pleasure, nourishment through living your life. (laughs) And um, something that I truly deeply appreciate about you is being advocates for people trusting themselves and developing that inner awareness to sift through what can only be called bullshit when it comes to food. Um, So with that being said, I would love for you to kind of, you know, introduce yourself, but I'm so curious about how you got to this place of being such a powerful teacher and advocate for health and wellness in a in an embodied way, I'll say that, in an embodied yeah. way. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, so I became a chef. Um, I went to culinary school almost 10 years ago um, after working as a writer and an actor in L.A. I moved to New York. I got psoriasis, and um, after going down the western rabbit hole of, you know, trying to fix the disease instead of going to the root cause Mm -hmm. of said problem, um, I changed my diet and I cured my autoimmune disease. And that empowered me to go to culinary school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically I, I have been cooking for people who use food as medicine for all these years. Um, And autoimmune disease Specifically, I've noticed a lot of, well, it it affects women 70% more than men. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of these women, these people are eating the right, I'm doing air quotes, the right food, and they're not getting better. And diving deeper into this, I just really started to realize, A, there's not one size fits all to health, and B, stress is the biggest cause of any disease, disease, and the antidote to that is pleasure. And to your point of like being embodied, like the access point to pleasure is embodiment. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I got into that. Uh, how much of that would you say was like already there for you and how much of that was an awakening? This understanding of pleasure being the antidote and your body being the gateway. Like, because even for, 
I'm going to make a, a big generalization here. Like for a woman to go into food for most, for most women, there's just a yeah. fraught relationship with food. Um, a lot of like control, I think, uh-huh. is common for women as far as their relationship to food goes. So I'm just kind of fascinated by this um, unfolding of your your career, which obviously is rooted in your own healing path. But was that an easy path for you to get to, or did it take some like multiple attempts, so to speak? Well, I think it was kind of like I might have been living in that way, but I didn't have the language to articulate it necessarily. Okay. Um, you know, to the point of doing yoga, like I understood if I if I didn't practice yoga many times a week, I would feel crazy and I would feel stressed and uh, um, if I ate certain foods, I would feel bad. If I drank too much, I would feel bad. So I think it was just, but I didn't have language until um, I took a course um, at this great school called the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. Mm-hmm. And my teacher there, Mark David, really gave me this language of the, the like he, I have to credit him for the language of pleasure um, as the antidote to stress. And then it just like all of the puzzle pieces started coming together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it was not, and to your point of control and, and eating, um, I'm also someone who my whole life I, I eat whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't restrict and the only time I ever had to do that is when I had psoriasis yeah. and it was really really hard for me and I think it's also understand it's important to understand the I want to get into this a little bit too much pleasure is also not pleasurable and no pleasure is obviously not pleasurable so you have to understand like the boundaries of this too like there's boundaries right. of pleasure as well um, well and, and how we define end. pleasure like what was that? How we define pleasure. I think our orientation to just that, you know, the saying is, this is my guilty pleasure. Like, exactly. I'm so bad for doing this. Exactly. I, I ate really well today, which most people mean like the exactly. fewest calories, the least yes. interesting flavors, the, yes. le- the least yes. pleasure. So that's really important to call out. And I think it's also in, in the way that you're talking about that with food and the taboo of, of pleasure and how pleasure is guilt, that is exactly related to sex in our culture as well. So yeah. it's like the two things that we think about when we think about pleasure, even though it is way more than this, is sex and food, right? So in both of them have like a shield in our society that we must like, you know, we can't really indulge, especially as a woman, we're not allowed to totally indulge in our like in our ravenous self yeah no matter what how we are ravenous right and the what's the word I want to use just the insult of that kind of orientation to what is good and what is right I mean this Puritan ideal of blocking too much food enjoyment of food sex enjoying sex at all these are our basic needs our most basic, not yeah, not only compulsions, yeah, people had sex <laughs> and, and kept eating. We would die. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So they are the most basic, basic. So pleasure, if you will, is is a basic need. Yes. Right. For survival. Yeah. 
for survival. Yeah. It's not just you know. It's like we there's this it's thing of luxury. like. It's not a luxury. It's not a luxury. Right, and you know, there's so much. I love this conversation because it can happen so quickly between us. But I also want to try to be coherent with it. I want to go back to this introduction of autoimmune disorder stress as the culprit and it affecting more women and in my line of work i see this massive explosion of autoimmunity showing up in the postpartum time and i wonder you know my my view of this so i'm a student of ayurveda and there's a lot that ayurveda has to say about that just too much movement too much heat too much effort it's really not um you know, our culture doesn't provide care for people to take time off to slow down. There's no cultural context for that. It's quite the opposite. Like the sooner you get back up and around, people praise that. They don't really want to. We don't have any context for like taking time and caring for one another, let alone ourselves. And okay. so I wonder what you, you know, just your thoughts on that, your insight into that. And that can be a nice segue into, you know, why you offer your services in the way that you do as a essentially personal chef and nutritional counselor versus any other kind of chef where you're just like making mm -hmm. amazing food for people, at, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in a restaurant um, setting or having your own place. Yeah. Uh, so to the point of postpartum autoimmune disease, I think this is super, super, super fascinating and there are a lot of different theories about this um, some of them as scientific as where autoimmune tends to live on the chromosomes is more of the X mm -hmm. um, it, it, but when I hear it the thing that where I go is we are all predisposed to certain diseases right and yeah. they either come up or they don't based on what's going on in our life, based if we're stressed. Pregnancy and giving birth is amazing, and giving birth is also traumatic. Yeah. It is a trauma that we experience, so then every, all of our, our whole system has to go into caring for that trauma, that whatever we might, whatever uh, could flourish, mm -hmm. tends to postpartum, right? whether it's emotional, you know, when you get, you know, depression, mm -hmm. or if it's an actual physical ailment, it is predictive because we are not, our inner garden is not at its strongest yeah. in that point post-trauma. So, yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, and I think the next step that I would say about that, especially if there's women, you know, you're pregnant and, you know, I want, I think that there's something about softening into that instead of being afraid that that's going to happen to you. Right. Because the fear is just another manifestation of stress. So if you can just like almost like a dog lay on your back with your tummy up and just be like, okay, this might happen and accept it, then your chance of it happening A is going to be less and the recovery from it will be easier, you know? Yeah, the softening so. just for the whole process. It's The whole process. As I mentioned to you before we started recording, like the softening of my body, that was that is 
the thing that I've worked the hardest on to make peace with over my entire life. And even as a doula, that was a huge motivation for me to become a doula, to be a support for women, to mirror back to them the immensity of this process and subjectively holding the reality of that is excruciating. It has been very difficult, but to this point of softening in order to ensure the best outcome possible, it is that like even approaching a birth, the quintessential feature of this becoming a mother, giving birth is to let yourself fall apart. It's not to control every little thing. Like I, I just have this image of myself and, and all women who birth, all people who birth of like an egg cracking open and a new little hatchling emerging. And the hatchling is not my baby. The hatchling is my little baby mama self. Um, and I think also to your point of that, like, you know, you're, you're, you're beating around the bush called body image right now. And that's something that I really love to talk about too. And it is, I feel when it comes to my nutritional counseling and it comes to any of that work, that is my favorite place to work with women because to have a body is to have body image issues because (laughs) it's true, you know, especially as someone presenting like as, as a female, like you know, it's it's hard to live in this in in a body that is uh, simultaneously shamed and sexualized and supposed to fit into a certain ideal. Um, and I think like one of I have a lot of rhymes that I would like to say about it, like when I do my counseling. But to your point of like your changing body um, and the discomfort in it, if you will. Uh, like we must embrace whatever we want to erase. And I think that with body oh, wow. image, so often people just ignore like the part that they don't like. It's a little different with, as a pregnant woman, but you know, oh, I don't like my stomach. I'm just going to pretend like it's a, like, I'm just going to whatever, like whatever. Instead of falling in love with that body part yes. and like, you know, finding it sensual and amazing and just accepting that it's there, you know, it's like, you can't say, um, please remove the chair from the desk if you don't acknowledge that there is a chair at the desk, right? Like you must acknowledge something is there if you want to change it in any sort of way. Um, and that's just a lot of work. I mean, that's really, that can be really hard for women to do, you know, and I have a lot of like tips and tricks for that, but it ain't easy. No, it ain't easy. And there's so much um, in there, just, you know, back to this notion of like embrace and even soften into the probability, the likelihood, the possibility that things might not go as you would like them to. I've, you know, at this point in time, I've experienced my body in at least a hundred different presentations, numbers on a scale, sizes of clothes, levels of athleticism, and receptivity and joy that I actually experience in my body, not to mention mental health. And the time in my life when I was, air quotes, um, had like the best body or up, up until quite recently thought, I have almost no memories of that eight year period of my life because I was so dissociated. I was so checked out. I was so malnourished. 
I literally can't remember most of my high school and college experience because I was so wrapped up in wanting to disappear. And then it swung in the opposite direction, but it was just like I wasn't in my body. And that was also not surprisingly the time in my life when I was the most promiscuous, the most careless. I feel like wasted a lot of time and I wasn't a container that could hold the experiences of my life that were actually nourishing. And I think that's something that's really powerful, just, you know, starting your work with that orientation to giving permission to all parts of your body to exist. Otherwise, you won't be able to hold anything good at all. Like you can't cut off your arm and move through life in the same way. You can't pretend that you don't have an ass. You can't like. Right. And I think it's, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of women with this too about this so-called like when I was my thinnest. Yeah. 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 And the best, you know, that was that. Well, there's two things. One, a lot of times we associate that that's the real us. Like that body is actually us. Oh I yeah. Spending this crazy amount of time trying to get back to that real time. My real self. Put it my real self and then what I what I try to uncover is like what was actually going on emotionally were you happy then and so often you could remember and then so many other people it was some of the worst times of their lives yeah you know like actual bad things were going on when they looked that certain way so there's like this weird you know bad math going on you know of what, yeah. what you think was what you're idolizing based on a photo, based on a not the truth of how you were feeling. Um, yeah, so so I had another point, but it, I, I lost it, so I'll find it as we keep on talking, but yeah. Um, yeah, another one, another statement, if it's not, I wanna get back to my real body, it's like the expression or the notion that this body that I have right now is not my body. It's like, right, right. <laughs> Or, and I think your point, too, of taking up space was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think women are, we are supposed to be as small as possible so to not take up space. Now, I also want to be clear, though, with this, too. I do think there, there is a realm, and this is where I, I feel like I get controversial. There's a realm of, of what is healthy for a body, too. You know, like, I am not necessarily advocate of obesity, you know, because that is not healthy for most bodies, you know, so there is, it's not like there's, but there's a a big, there's a big, uh, there's a, there's a big, big wide area between, you know, this malnourished person and, and where we are unhealthy that most women exist in Mm -hmm. that who I know where we do not feel comfortable in that space. And, and really, at the end of the day, the way we talk to ourselves, that's what I wanted to say. The mm-hmm. amount of time, you don't remember what was going on in those years because you spent probably so much time being obsessed with what your body looked like, too. Yeah. It's like, what could you do? How could you spend your time if you weren't being obsessed with those thoughts? You know, like, how much time do we spend thinking about this? It's just, it's boring. It's so you know? boring. And it's I think there's... Boring. The, the most difficult thing to get under, I teach a free class called Food and Emotional Nourishment, and it always has the most sign-ups. And 
the the relationship between a sense of self-worth and how we feed ourselves is massive. It's Oh, you, know, yeah. you know, it's one to one. There it is. And then the relationship between self-worth and how we share ourselves or relate to others. Okay. Of course, sex is included in that. And I had a conversation with a client yesterday and the discernment was between what I actually want and what I'm willing to accept based on how I feel about myself. Mm. And there's so much to be unearthed in working with food in a sacred way. Um, I spoke about this with one of my other guests, Katie Silcox, this process of, you know, her own learning about really doing, quote unquote, the Ayurvedic thing of chewing her food 30 times and realizing like how much she didn't like the texture of food and made a connection there between like eating super fast and just not wanting to feel her mouth, the sensuality of food, right? And being uncomfortable with sensation in our body. For me, I realized it's very difficult to cook for myself. I'm so much more comfortable even now, like just grabbing a box of crackers or like you know, I made this hummus, so therefore just having some hummus in a box of crackers, that's healthy. And, you know, we don't need to parse that out to all its fine points. But when I take time to cook and acknowledge my hunger and the fact that I'm the one feeding it and not somebody else, there's tremendous sadness. And, like, it, it's such a potent entry point for deep emotional work. And so with the body image being just an undeniable part of any person's journey with food, it's sort of like designating someone as healthy or unhealthy. It's more like, well, how are you relating to all of it? What is the underlying sense of worthiness really? And what are you actually hungry for? I think I think it's it's like how you beginning this begun this. It's not feeling like someone deserves something. You don't feel like you deserve this thing. So even when you're cooking for yourself, well, I'm not gonna like make a whole thing because I, it's just it's it's just me. Right. But to the point of like you put your oxygen mask on first before you can put it on someone else. Really, I mean, and so. I, I live alone and I cook for myself a lot and I, I, I always plate my food in a beautiful way, even for myself. And that is, to me, that is also the ritual of eating yeah. and it is also a way that to nourish because we first eat visually and then to your point of like, you know, the eye, like the chewing, like that's a very important thing. The slow eating is paramount. And that's where I start with every client too, because not only is it, you know, just like from a, a more esoteric way of speeding up and not deserving and shoveling and just, but it's also just like, if you eat fast, that is a stressor on your body. Yep. Your body can't really digest it. So you are disrespecting your GI tract right away from chewing fast. You are causing stress. Mm-hmm. You are anti-pleasure just from eating fast. So different ways that start to access pleasure on a daily basis on a daily basis is eating slowly chewing your food putting your fork down lighting a candle for yourself when Mm -hmm. you eat 
you know, saying what you're grateful for, playing music. It's all about it's sensual, just being very sensual with yourself, you know, like as you would do for your partner, as you would do for your best friend or a parent or a child, you know. We must do to ourselves for ourselves first. Is Mark David's book The Slow Down Diet? Yeah. Yes. I bought that so many years ago and then one of my one of the books that I refer to so often now is Slow Sex, which was inspired yeah, by that book. And yeah. you know it's she it's references it all the time. Yeah. And this yeah. like notion of not just like we've kind of lost the art of process and and certainly ritual like you could call it either one like we've for sure lost the art of ritual but even process we're obsessed with the instant pot we're obsessed with fast food even if it's quote unquote made at home or made from scratch like the faster the better because we're so busy because we have to be like <laughs> i don't know because we're, we're important if we're busy so it's, yes it's a, yeah it's and to be alone with my thoughts or my feelings, you know. God forbid. God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. I better scroll because it, it gets uncomfortable. And, and to, you kind of mentioned this earlier, too, about, like, what is the hunger? What is the actual hunger? What am I feeding? And I think that starting from a place of slowing down your actual consumption, like eating, you can begin to understand what you're hungry for. Like, am I, am, like, I actually, I'm not big on diets and cleanses, but I really, really respect the Whole30 mm -hmm. because the whole purpose of it is to, 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 to kind of deconstruct and, like, unattach from your, the way we use food to cope. Yeah. You know, so the way you use a treat, a sugar treat, a chip treat, and you're not allowed, quote unquote, to have these treats. And so what do you do instead of having a treat? Mm -hmm. So instead of using the food to fill, you have to feel and like process feeling, which is really, really hard. It's way easier to just have a chip, you know? Totally. And so I, I, I really admire what what the Whole30 has done. I, I think it's good um, if you want to get to the bottom of some of this. Um, but only if you're using it for the intention, like, I'm not trying to lose weight, but I want to kind of see what my attachments are with food. Um, yeah. And what is your, in the work that you do, and I, I know you do a lot, and it probably varies client to client, but, um, you know, preparing food for people and doing the coaching and counseling, and is there also instruction with preparing food? And, you know, how do you... I don't know if it's, if decide is the right word, but, you know, kind of gauge where a client is at. And I'm, I'm imagining some people hire you just like, I want you to make my food for me. Yeah. So it, it varies. I started the business and it was every client had very, very specific dietary restrictions. Okay. So I was really curating for each client and I mean it was specific um so I would be making so many items it was really it was daunting and um and there was a limit to what I could what I physically could do 
Um, I have a team now, so I am able to, well, before you, you work with me in any capacity, whether it's I'm cooking for you or it's through counseling, there's a massive intake. So I need to know what's going on. And I curate for you always, but now I'm able to have people who just want quote-unquote clean food. I use very high-quality ingredients, and I am very well-versed at dietary restrictions. So Mm -hmm. it is my pleasure, and it will always be my pleasure, to make things um, in an alternative way. But my biggest pillar, which, which I think is the thread for my whole cooking philosophy, is I never, I consume it sometimes, but a lot, but I don't cook with refined sugar. I only cook with unrefined sugar, meaning it's not processed, meaning it's honey or maple mainly. Um, just because sugar is, if, um, if stress is the more ephemeral cause of all disease, sugar is the literal cause of inflammation, which is disease. Yeah. Uh, so I try to really get people on uh, mindful of their sugar consumption. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so... And then I'm also starting um, like a concierge service for people where for nominal fee, it's not going to be very expensive. We will talk once a week and I will help you menu plan and give you tips and some shopping suggestions just to implement things based um, on what you specifically need for you or your family for postpartum or if you have an autoimmune or if you're busy, just whatever it is, just help you tailor, give you a little structure so you're not ordering, you know, from Seamless four times a week, you right. know, because it's very easy to cook for yourself and it can be very quick and inexpensive if you just give yourself a little bit of time at the beginning of the week. Totally. Know? And to that. have some encouragement and someone holding space for that process to happen without having to go to like sift through the chaos of a food magazine and like all this conflicting information that floats around out there I imagine the personal it's not just like personalized like oh someone is telling me what to eat but like your deep understanding and integration of food allergies, specific food ingredients, how to make things delicious because that matters. Like that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's all of those things. Um, and it's to the point at the beginning, I want to empower people, you know, I don't want people to just like, I'm so grateful for my clients and I want them forever, you know? And also I want an army of people who feel like awesome and in charge of their 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 own health in the kitchen. Like yeah. that's that would make me the happiest just to see like have all these soldiers being like, I can do it and I will hold your hand in the process for a bit, but then you don't need me. Like there the concierge service, it will come to an end because you yeah. will understand what you need to do. But like let me let me like get you let me get you like let me like you know fluff your feathers for a couple months. And that also seems like a good progression from the food service. Exactly. Yes. And it's a nice, it's a nice way to marry the counseling and like with the actual personal chefing. It's kind of like the two in one and, and it's a way that I can reach more people than just in New York as well. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah. That's really exciting. That sounds like (laughs) a wonderful service and 
I just, I want to talk to you all the time, so I might just do that just so we can, like, have more chat time. (laughs) And certainly have some encouragement with the feeding of the self. I want to make sure that we spend some time talking about Italy because, one, it fascinates me. Two, it's, you know, from the perspective that I have, which is observing your life through social media, it's such a massive part of your, uh, I'll say it this way, like you sustaining yourself as a care provider to so many. This is a place where you are obviously deriving such nourishment through pleasure, through uh, novelty, through flavors, through quality of ingredients. And I would love to hear how that relationship started for you, what this love affair has been like, and what's next for you, including um, I want you to talk about your retreat and how you share this with people. Yeah, so Sicily, it's Sicily specific. Um, I went for the first time two years ago, summer of 2017, and now I've been seven times. So that's That's crazy to me. I'm like, no, (laughs) sure, you've been going for a decade, right? (laughs) Yeah, two years, seven times, and I'm going back next month. Um, So one of my best friends uh, came to a yoga retreat that I was cooking for with another best friend, Miriam, who teaches, and she had a lot of uh, past life stuff, like literal, like a couple years ago, she lived in Italy, and she's like, you guys should do a retreat in Sicily. And Miriam and I, we why we work together so well, because we're both just like, okay, let's do <laughs> Sicily. And my friend Emma, who recommended this, knows I'm a very, you know, precious, precious princess. Um, I like to travel a certain way. And she's like, Sarah, just so you know, Italy or Sicily is a lot. It You have to lean into it or it will break you. Mm. And I'm like, whatever. Um, cut to... The first time I was there, within five minutes of being there, I accidentally flushed my cell phone down the toilet. And I was like, okay, I see you, Sicily. I got you. And anyway, from then, I don't know. I have never, I mean, I'm, I'm Sicilian, but I didn't know, like, you know, my great-grandparents. I have never felt so at home in a place. Mm. My soul is alive there. I have a lot of past life stuff there. I'm writing a novel. Like every time I go there, I'm I'm, I'm writing, mm. and it is it is probably one of the most important relationships of my life. Like even when you were just saying an intro about it, it made me want to cry. I am so deeply, deeply in love with the island of Sicily. It is fertile and feminine and magical, and every time it pisses me off and it's really fucking hard and I cry and I'm still me there with all my shit but every time it also I recharge my batteries like I feel like the better version of me and to the point we said earlier I can only care for others because I care for myself yeah you know and Sicily is just the biggest blanket for me and I love her immensely um that's incredible. She's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, the food there is amazing, and it it informs a lot of my cooking here. Obviously, um, when I go this next time, I'm going to I'm start.
starting to figure out some work there. I want to start teaching cooking classes for tourists, basically, um, to empower people to cook with these flavors that we are scared of, like yeah. in America, like anchovies, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, so again, the empowering. I want people to feel confident. It's not about making pasta. It's about making things that like people can actually do every day. Like anchovy paste can be amazing if you know how to work with it. Um, and I just want to show people Sicily. I want to give the gift of Sicily to people um, all the time. And yeah. Uh, and I, the ultimate dream is to open up like a little boutique hotel there where I can host uh, wellness retreats. That's what I want to do. Amazing. So, and cook. Yeah. You must come. Yes. Yes. It's like my grand plan to be on the retreat next year. That might be a little ambitious uh, for my postpartum plan. However, it's like something that I have like a little carrot in front of me. I'm like, just get to Sicily. Just get to Sicily. But certainly Sicily's not going anywhere. Um, I trust trust that our relationship is not going anywhere. And Uh, our relationship's not going anywhere. Something that's so um, just essential to the way that you share, Um, you know, again, it's like, I know that I'm not, I'm not by your side day to day, and I hate to use the word authentic, but there is something about... Don't qualify what you're going to say. Don't qualify. Okay, okay. The way that you have shared this awakening for you of passion and appreciation and vitality and and like a raw experience of your femininity, your humanity is so enticing and has, you know, this is a big part of the work that I do and it's created an ignition in me of how elusive for so many of us this deep vein of self-trust is like trusting in the pleasure that I feel trusting like I don't know why this place brings me alive but it does and I trust that and I'm gonna give it everything like just talk to me about that because it's so essential to what you do and it's so essential to what we do as teachers I think it's just about getting out of your own way and it's it's allowing this is going to sound a little woo-woo but allowing like the divine feminine to speak more and I think like I am a very type a controlling person by nature that's who I am I'm like very organized and I'm very diligent and I'm on time and la di la di la di la I go to therapy once a week check 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 and that's all great, but I think that it's unnecessary. But I think that for me, I've realized this attachment I have to things isn't really working out for me that well. Mm. And so instead of gripping harder and harder to my life, I'm just like slowly, as if it's a pulse, letting go and softening again. It goes back to softening. And you know, the, the, the whole thing of intuition, you know, trusting your intuition. And it, that can be very, like, what does that even mean? What is this my intuition or is this my thought? Like, how do I even step, start to decipher that? And what I love about the work I do, quite frankly, is it's all sort of, it all comes to 
together because you get your gut health in order and you start mm-hmm. understanding, well, does this food make me feel good or bad? You start understanding that and discerning and deciphering on a literal, from a literal yeah. place, you can start doing it on the more, you know, ephemeral, I'm saying again, places. You can start thinking about it. And it's also just like what I, so I said to you, to you this as well, leaning into I don't know mm-hmm. and softening into just like I don't know. And from that place, answers emerge instead of trying to force the answer. Just like, I don't know, I surrender. I surrender to something bigger than me. And from that, whoosh, stuff, like, you know, the, the answers come. And a way I feel like that an exercise to really start getting, like, fine-tuning that is the power of choice, every choice. You just start actively making decisions. So, because I feel like we so often don't even know what we want or what we desire. It's so far from us. So it's just like at dinner. Do I want white wine or or red wine? You make that choice. And that atrophied muscle just slowly gets stronger and stronger. And from that place, we can also access intuition more too. But it's just getting out of our own way to like listen. You know. And slowing down enough to have the experience of, okay, that's what that choice gave me, right? Yeah. Getting out of and the duality of yeah. like right and wrong. There's a wrong choice I can make. There's a right choice There's I can make. There are choices. Also, yep, that's all. And also it's like you, when you like allow the things to happen, you know, like I said, this thing called I don't know if I want to live in New York that's a really scary thing that's happening that I'm not meaning for that to happen I don't want that to happen yeah but oh, as I, get I just get out of my own way and listen to something else and trust wherever I'm going it's like okay I, I hear you and this is not this is a new safety I'm working with this this is like not shaped clay yet yeah. this is probably clay I'm going to be shaping my whole life I hope you know figure out what it looks like but it's I don't know I don't know I think it's just the most liberating thing in the world to for me well and we are all you've you've said this several times and it's a huge part of uh, my dialogue and my approach which is working with the feminine aspect of life force which is this constant pulsation it is not front brain it's not a a right or wrong it's not a i'm going to act based on what i know the outcome will be there's a lot of not knowing in that space and trust i feel is a lot like faith it's not based on a solid outcome absolutely and i think that's also what you were just saying that makes me think of like the difference between nourishment and nutrition Mm. nutrition is very masculine energy it's the science it's macros yeah scale it's calories and that's where we as we get so messed up too because like that's what we think we're supposed to focus on instead of actually trusting and listening to what our body needs which is nourishment which is the more feminine approach and that's why i feel like no food is actually good or bad for you it's the state in which you eat it you know and this is similar with like the birth experience 
know, in the westernized society, it's like women are just like hooked up to machines and no one's li- like, how do you feel, woman? It's more like, okay, the machine is saying X, Y, and Z, you know, that's the same exact thing as like nutrition, right? you know, and we, we need to like be like, no, like, you know, we have, we have a wisdom. There's a wisdom that is screaming. She is screaming, and that's what you know. There's this tidal wave of shift in approach to things because it's not working. What we've been doing this this linear approach to things it's not sustainable for life. Life on this planet demands trust and sensitivity, and this awareness of every single one of us like each of us is going to have a different chemical response to air to a spice to a flavor to a person there is actual alchemy happening with all of these choices that we're making and something i've said before it's a teaching from tantra and like you're you're a tantric food teacher (laughs) this Mm -hmm. this deep understanding that takes a while to really get is that nothing is inherently good or bad everything is medicine or poison based on how we relate to it absolutely (laughs) it's so it's so 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 true everything it's how we relate to it and i think it's also important kind of came up actually in the last retreat, you know, talking about feminine and masculine, it has nothing to do with gender. Right. Or male, female. It's just energies and it's just the language that makes the most sense when describing these energies. Yes. You know? And, and it allows, I think, some freedom and hopefully, I mean, I would like to think, but um, I'm open to being wrong about this, within our our cultural conversation around gender and trying to nail it down for so long. It's like all these energies are necessarily fluid. That is the nature of them. So, yep, and we all have all of it. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. But because of the patriarchy, which is how we've existed, you know, for a very long time, we think masculine, man, patriarchy, and that is what has been accentuated. And has flourished and to your point that ain't working it's not you know working. so it's like i think we're both trying to play our little parts in our corners of the world to allow the feminine to thrive more you know yeah. and how can we how can we support this and yeah um and 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 also quite frankly i i my mission is i i want to just help women and i i i'm going to say that i want to help women be the best possible versions of themselves and live happy lives. Like that's what I want. That is my mission and to feel happy and free freedom, freedom, you know, and what, however that looks in your life. And the, the road to that is pleasure and is, you know, we nourish ourselves for that. And yeah, we celebrate and that yeah. I want to use these final minutes for you to, um, talk as specifically as you would like to about the offering that is your retreat so people know how they can begin to get a taste of the work that you do if they're not in New York and um, perhaps join you in Sicily. Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure when we're going to be doing the next retreat. Uh, 
it probably will be next summer. Uh, we tend to, but we'll see. There's some, there could be some babies on the horizon for some people involved. So we'll see. Uh, but Miriam Wolf, who is an amazing yoga teacher, uh, we create a program in Sicily where she works up the chakra system and. Uh, it's a lot of kriya and rhythm in the yoga practice, so it's nice. not a traditional yoga class. And then that is accompanied by um, a conversation led by me in the afternoon where we go into the more nitty-gritty of whatever that chakra represents. And everyone also gets a one-on-one -on -one session with me, a one-on-one -on -one session with Miriam. And versus other yoga retreats where it's like vegan, you know, gluten-free, no alcohol, you know, blah, 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 no, 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 no. We dive deep into pleasure in all, in all places, in all forms. We, we, we eat the gelato, we have the wine, we have the fish, we, we eat the pasta. It's all about enjoying yourselves. And, but the thing that I love the most about it is like the, the living organism that happens yeah. when a group of women come together. Sure. And my most important job there is to create a safe space of no gossip and just love so we can have really, really intimate conversations that women don't normally get to have together. Um, so it, it goes, it goes from zero to 60 really fast. Yeah. And you're like, I cannot believe we're talking about this. And women were like hungry to talk about this stuff, yes. like, you know, like that feeds us. So it's really awesome. And Sicily is just a great place to do it because it is the manifestation of all of this. It is the slow, because the other thing I like to think about is like when we're moving so fast, like why are why are we in such a hurry? Like the ultimate end is death. Are we just like in this, like why should we just live instead of just like speed to death? Um, but yeah, so that. But even more than that, it would be if you want to work remotely, it would be with the counseling or the yeah. concierge service. Um, is my pleasure to do that to hold space for vulnerability. Yeah. That's so awesome. And, and holding yeah. space for a safe um, introspection and all, just kind of unraveling. That's a word I've been using a lot. Unraveling of the stories around deserving to be nourished. What it means yeah. to eat this thing or to really let go of the controls, the, the limitations that... Um, have at some point felt like they kept us safe and just mm -hmm. learning to relate in a different way um, where I feel like it's very natural when we start emerging from a lot of control to feel out of control and yeah, it takes absolutely. a while to recalibrate but I don't think that any of this healing can happen in a vacuum like having someone trustworthy to witness you is essential. You can't do it by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say you can't. You can, but it really, really is helpful for someone to, you know, be there and to witness it and to be accountable, you know? Yeah. So I think we are all capable of doing all the things, but it's great to have, a, it's great to have someone on your team, you know? For it's sure. It's great to have teams, a team. Um, <laughs> And it's, it's hard, too, because it's like even like when it just because I just think this is the most important point that I would like to for people who are listening to this to get is like we all know we're not supposed to be stressed. It's 
stress is a killer and stress is bad. And it's like, how do I not have stress? I know I'm not supposed to, but that feels like, how do I not? Yeah. You know, you can't, okay, I'm not stressed, fine, I'm not stressed, but you know. So again, the access point is pleasure. And what pleasure means is anything where you are embodied, where you are in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Pleasure loves the present. So if you are eating your food and not looking at Instagram when you're doing it, you are in pleasure. If you are, you know, dancing, taking a walk without your phone, probably most things without your phone, yeah. you're in pleasure. <laughs> so anything when you are embodied and you are present in your moment, you are in pleasure, and that is the antidote to stress. And the more that we build that muscle, the deeper we can heal. So, yeah, that's the most important thing. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Keep yeah. this tidal wave of feminine magic going. I'm so glad that you're out there doing your work, and I'm really, um, it's so cool to experience this camaraderie and shared passion and just the seed of a friendship planted so long ago. I'm really grateful for your time and your company today, Sarah. Yeah, me too. I feel the same with you. I feel you, you feel like a sister to me and I have no doubt that this is only the beginning of a bubble. Like I think that there's, there's a bear there with us. Like we have such a philosophies are very similar and it's super exciting to see like how this will unfold over the years. But I, it's exciting and I, I really respect what you do as well. And the space you hold for women is really powerful and um i see you thank you yeah thank you my pleasure thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the sacred body podcast i look forward to joining you again and if you want to learn more about today's episode please visit stacyramsauer.com you can leave your comments share far and wide And we'll see you next time.